Episode 34 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles, an interview within a great thinker. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 34 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and the benefits that come alongside that. Well, I have to say, I'm pretty excited about this month's show. Um, last month I said I was hopefully going to be getting a special guest on and I kind of, behind the scenes, I did my work and um, I managed to sort out an interview with a lady called Carol Dweck. Now Carol Dweck is... Well, it's really interesting when you read, you know, like for me, I, I consume a lot of content around books and, and stuff like this. And when you read anything around behavior psychology or, you know, a lot of the great kind of thinking books, if you know what I mean, out there, her name comes up all the time. Seriously, probably one in four books that I read in this kind of psychology area, her name will pop up. And it's because she's done some phenomenal work in this area that we call Mindset. And um, I'm not going to go into much detail now because obviously we're about to have an interview with her, but um, she's obviously had a pretty massive influence in the field of psychology and, uh, you know, she's been a lecturer at Columbia, Harvard and currently working at Stanford University in the US. So, you know, just a, a highly intelligent woman who's, whose life's work has had a big impact in this, you know, pretty interesting area. So pretty over the moon that I managed to get her on the show and, um, and it's, 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 I've actually already recorded the interview. It's a pretty cool interview and I think you guys will get a lot of value from it. So I think this month I'm, I'm not really going to talk too much before the interview. We'll probably just get straight into it um, and we can kind of talk about other things after the show. So... Let's rock on, let's put some music on, and let's get into our interview with Carol Dweck. Right, guys, well, I'm really, really excited to get uh, the next guest on today's show. Uh, her name is Carol Dweck. Carol Dweck is uh, one of the world's leading psychologists in the field of psychology, at least. She's um, taught at Columbia, at Harvard, and she's currently working at Stanford University in America. Um, and, and one piece of work that really, you know, if you ever read any book on behavior psychology or, you know, kind of growth kind of books, there's what her name comes up all the time. Like the amount of times I've heard her name is just mind blows, blows my mind. And it's a, her, my, her book is called Mindset and, uh, I'll put a link to it on this week's show notes so you guys can actually go and get it yourself because it's highly recommend her book and uh she's really really put some great work out there that's influenced a lot of people in her field. So welcome along to the show today, Carol. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I suppose we let, let's start from where you started from. You know, let, you want to give us a little bit of a history around um, your your career and what got you into this area of mindset. I've always been fascinated by how people cope with the challenges, um, whether they get discouraged and crumble, or whether they get energized mm. by their setbacks, by obstacles. And so that, that's really been my life's work. Um, after studying these different reactions to challenges and setbacks, I discovered these mindsets, these beliefs that people have that are at the heart of whether they get discouraged by failure or whether they get energized by it. Mm. 
So what we found is that some people have a fixed mindset. They think their talents and abilities are just these fixed traits. You have a certain amount and that's that. These are the people who get discouraged by setbacks because they think the setbacks measure them and tell them they don't have it. They can't do it. But other people have a growth mindset. They think their abilities can be developed over time through perseverance, hard work, and learning from mistakes. So they expect that when they're doing something really hard, they're going to make mistakes, they're going to have setbacks, and they ask themselves, what can I learn from this? How can I be better at this going forward? Mm. So it's almost like the mindset theory kind of says um, that the, the fixed mindset kind of thinks that I am just this way and there's nothing I can do about it and, yes. and I'm stuck in that for life, whereas the growth mindset says mm-hmm. every opportunity is a chance for me to grow and you know I will use that opportunity to develop myself. Yes. And so it's kind of like a philosophical way of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, Do you see human beings as a bundle of these fixed traits? You're a certain kind of person or you're not. You were meant to be this or you weren't. Or do you see us all as full of potential? We may not have the same starting point as someone else. Maybe something is harder for us, more of a struggle than it is for someone else. But we can still become better and better at it over time. Can I ask, can I ask Carol, um, what are some of the, the downsides, you know, when we're in a fixed mindset, so, you know, for the person who just feels I was born this way and that's how the world's going to work for me, what are some of the effects of that both positive, if there are any positive, or, or what are some of the things that hold you back about being that person? When you're in a fixed mindset, <clears throat> excuse me, that's okay. you, judge, <laughs> you, you judge yourself. Uh, okay. You're always judging yourself. Am I this kind of person or that kind of person? Do I have this much ability or that kind of that much ability? Um, am I going to succeed at this fit, fitness regime or fail? It's always like one way or the other. Okay. That's a real downside. Another downside is that you might put a moral value on it. I'm a good person if I stick to my diet or stick to my exercise regime. And I'm a bad person if I don't. Mm. Research has shown that when you think in these terms, a setback is going to demoralize you. When you feel like a bad person, it doesn't motivate you to be to 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 improve or to pursue what you're pursuing. It means, oh, I'm a bad person. I'm a kind of person who binges. I'm a kind of person who doesn't adhere to an exercise regime. So that fixed mindset where you're always judging yourself and putting yourself in a category can be very, very self-defeating. So, 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 so I've got a fixed mindset. I, I start to identify with things as in it's just me, I'm, I'm a bad person. You know, it's interesting, I hear, see a lot with fitness where you hear people, like I had one client who would call herself a fat whore, um, you know, if she wasn't in control of her diet. And it was a self-identification of that I can never overcome these things. And so what are some of the effects of that person? What, what's the flow-on effect of having those thoughts? Yeah, it, it just 
having those thoughts plunges you more deeply into the abyss uh, that you're stuck in. Um, For example, I got an email um, from someone who had read my book, and she said she was diabetic. She had just had a giant piece of pie for lunch, and she didn't want to take her blood sugar because she thought, the blood sugar would tell her she was a bad person. Oh, really? (laughs) So she would have ended up in the hospital rather than feeling like a bad person. Instead, she said, let me think in a growth mindset like that book I'm reading. She took her blood sugar. It was high. She took her insulin and dealt with the situation. Wow. Can I, can I ask, is this something, you know, like, is it, is it, is it nurture, nature versus nurture thing? Is this something, is the mindsets that we've got, is it something that's been developed by our influences or is it just the way we've been personality traits? Um, where do we find the, the, the different mindsets come from? We've shown that the different mindsets can be powerfully influenced by the messages we hear in the environment. Really? Yes. A lot of fitness programs will talk about you're a good person or a bad person or, you know, or at least suggest Mm. that kind of thing. We've also shown that the way you praise people can put them into a fixed or growth mindset. When we tell people they're smart, they're talented, or they're good at something, it makes them fragile. It backfires. You know, the world thinks that's how you give people confidence, but our research shows that praising people's abilities, telling them they're good at something, puts them in a fixed mindset. And the next time they fail, they think, I guess I'm not good at this. Mm -hmm. So they also. Yeah, yeah, sorry, keep going. They also don't want to take on hard things or challenges because they're afraid of showing they're not this kind of person. Uh, yeah, so so when people have praised them, they've gone, oh, you know, you're you're talented, or you you um, you know, you're a really fit person, but they haven't really maybe praised the effort. Yes, we have shown that when you praise the process that uh-huh. people engage in, it really is helpful. It puts them into more of a growth mindset, and it tells them what they have to do to succeed, what they have to do to overcome failure. So praising the strategies people have used the effort they've put in, the focus that they've been able to maintain, even praising, taking on the challenge. Um, Then people feel, okay, there's a process I engage in, and that's how I'm going to be successful. So if you have a setback, then you don't think, oh, I'm not a talented person or I'm not a good person. You think, all right. I'm human. What can I learn from that? What are the circumstances under which I'm vulnerable? Mm -hmm. Uh, So therefore, maybe I should exercise at this time of day, not that time of day. Mm -hmm. Maybe I have to take these precautions to protect that time. Maybe I have to do this. Maybe I have to do that. So a setback is informative. Mm-hmm. about what you should do differently going forward. It's not informative about the kind of person you are. 
And another thing is that in a growth mindset, you understand it's always going to be hard. You're always going to have to put in the effort. In a, in, a, in a fixed mindset, you may fool yourself. I'm the kind of person this comes easily to. Mm-hmm. A lifetime of fitness and healthy eating is a lifetime of discipline. Yeah, it is. And you, it? Have yeah. To, <laughs> and you have to expect that it's not always going to be easy. And that's just part of how it is. It is interesting, isn't it? You know, like someone who you know has experienced success in fitness, um, you know, that, that when people look at you from the outside, they assume that it's come easy to you. And and I think, yes. you know, like I get, you know, people go, oh, it's kind of, you know, they, they think that because I'm someone who's kind of been fit and achieved success within fitness, that it's something that's been easy to me. Now, because I've enjoyed it, you can kind of look at it and go, well, I enjoy it. And so in some ways it's easy, but the work I've put in has actually been pretty high standard. If you know, like the amount of energy yes. I've put into to this success has actually been yes. quite high level. Yes, and I've exercised every day for 40 years. Yeah. I don't always like it. I don't always have time for it. But you you have to kind of understand how to make it work for you and how to put in the effort even when you don't want to. It's really interesting. In your book, you talk about um, how in, in society we seem to value, I think you're talking about Gladwell's point about how in society we um, – you know, we seem to value the person who does it carelessly, you know, or the person who seems naturally talented. It's almost like we value that more than the, than recognizing that actually the growth mindset is the thing we should be all aiming for. Exactly. Um, when we look at someone who's tremendously successful, whether it's an athlete, a musician, a scientist, we think it came to them naturally because we just see the end product. Mm. We just see how they're producing and performing. But I have my students at Stanford every year. I have them um, delve deeply into the lives of someone they admire. Oh, really? It has never been the case that the person was a natural. Really? It has always been the case that that person, you know, maybe they were talented, but they put in tremendous amounts of effort over long periods of time, they learned discipline. It's almost never the case that the person you see doing something effortlessly started by doing it effortlessly. It's, it's, it, that's actually kind of a good life project for anybody to do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, like I just as you said that, I thought, well, what a great project, you know, to actually think, you know, because we do do that. There is that thing, you know, there's a sportsman in New Zealand right now called Sonny Bill Williams, who's just a very amazing sportsman. And uh, he seems to transition from one sport to the next and he just seems to win everything. And, and I think people just think he has that natural talent. But I'm sure if we got an opportunity to talk to him, you'd see the amount of effort he puts into this, yes. way, you know, and and it, it is easy to sit on the outside and go, oh, this person was just gifted. Um, yes. You know, and whereas. Nobody. Yeah, yeah, nobody can waltz from one sport to another and be at the top yeah. without tremendous commitment and effort. Yeah. Well, yeah, I really love that idea. So I suppose there's some questions. So, so as we go take a step back and we talk about, you know, we the fixed mindset can come from our environments. Do we find that then that, you know, if we think about self-talk and the way we communicate within ourselves, does that then instill that kind of fixed mindset? And do you find that those people who do have the fixed mindset, that's how they communicate to themselves as well? 
everybody has self-talk. Um, a fixed and growth mindset have different self-talk. Mm. In a fixed mindset, if you have a if you have a setback, you think maybe I'm no good at this. Maybe I'm not meant to be this. Maybe I'm not that kind of person. Um, when you see someone who's better than you at something, maybe they have it and I don't, you become demoralized by that rather than inspired or energized. Mm -hmm. In a growth mindset, your self-talk is very different. It's not about, can I do this? What kind of person I am? It's, how can I do this? Mm -hmm. How can I develop the skills, the discipline, the habits that will serve me well. When you have a setback, instead of beating yourself up, you say, as I said before, I'm human. Setbacks are inevitable. This is a really hard project. What can I learn from this setback mm -hmm. that will help me going forward? When you see someone who's um, way ahead of you in something or who is um, the person you'd ideally like to be, you don't say, oh, that's a different kind of person. I, I, I feel d discouraged by even their very existence. Instead, you say, all right, how do they do it? What can I learn from them? Instead of thinking they're naturally talented, saying, hey, they're a struggling person like me. Maybe I can pick, some, pick up some tips about how to go forward more successfully. So, so I suppose, Carol, if we, if, you know, for the person listening to this, you know, and I, and I think you're very clear at the kind of message you're putting out there. You're, you're very good at communicating that. But how do I know that I am a fixed person? And I suppose that the other question I have really is, do you find that people are fixed in one area and growth in other areas of your life? And, and how do you identify the difference between the two? Yes, people can be fixed in some areas of their lives and have a growth mindset in other areas, you can think, well, my athletic ability can grow, but my math's ability that's fixed or vice versa. Mm. Um, or you can think um, um, some people have natural discipline and you have it or you don't versus people can develop mm -hmm. discipline. Mm -hmm. So it can be very much different in different areas. And also I'm talking as though you're always in a given area, you're always in one mindset or the other, but we can slide along that continuum yeah. depending on the circumstances. It's funny. I play, I play piano, Carol, and um, piano is the one, the one area in my life that I'm not that competent in. Well, not one many years I'm not that competent, but it's one area I put a lot of effort into and I'm not that competent. And um, and it's I find, you know, in the areas like fitness where I am, you know, very growth mindset, um, I never really experienced, you know, the fixed mindset at all. But then when I'm playing piano, I do have those moments where it's about me as a personality. And I've really got to f see those moments within myself and break it back to the process of yes. what's, you know, like it's, yes. a, it's really important. I think that, you know, for you guys listening to this is that how do people figure out um, that they're, they're in that, what those triggers for themselves? Yes, yes. So it is really important to monitor your self-talk and your thinking um, so that you understand when you're falling into a fixed mindset, I can't do this, I'm no good at this, I'm not that kind of person. Listen to it. Mm. Don't block it out. Just listen to what it's saying and recognize you've fallen into a fixed mindset. 
then talk back with a growth mindset. I'm a learner. I love piano. I'm a learner. I'm going to commit myself to practicing. I'm going to become better at it over time. Mm -hmm. In regards to um, it being changed, it obviously can, but... You know, like if I've been, if I'm 30-something or if I've been, you know, living on this earth for a long time and I've had this fixed mindset and it's installed in me, how hard it is, is it to shift from that to the growth? You know, it can take a fair amount of work. For some people, for some people, it's quick. They say, I get it. And, and they really do. And I'm going to think this way and I recognize. But for other people where that fixed mindset may be deeply ingrained, mm. you have to start slowly. And I think the first step is just hearing that fixed mindset voice in your head. Mm. Mm. Um, thinking about I'm this kind of person, I'm not that kind of person. Thinking when there are setbacks, I'm no good at this, I'm not a good person, I'm not a disciplined person, I'm not a smart person. Just listen to it. Don't even do anything. Mm -hmm. um, but for a week, just hear that voice. Get in touch with it. And then start talking back with a growth mindset. Uh, just a good trick, I think, of as you're talking about this, you know, you, you've talked really about identifying your triggers, haven't you? And so, um, you know, one thing you can, guys can think of is, you know, if you start to understand wh where those triggers are, if I am a fixed mindset person, then you can almost pre-plan as you kind of discover those, a different route of thinking to put in place at that time, couldn't you, Carol? Yes, yes. Figure out what the triggers are, when you're likely to have setbacks, and then hear that fixed mindset voice, talk back to it with the growth mindset voice. So so an example of this that we could think of in, let's say, diet, you know, you're eating too much on a Friday night, you go to that emotional place where, you know what, I suck, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a bad person, and you, really, you learn that, and then the next Friday night you might be eat too much, but you've planned to go, okay, actually, where did I make the mistake in eating too much? Okay, I probably didn't have enough at lunchtime, so I was hungry when I got home. Yes. Yeah, okay. And then so next week I need to make sure I have a good lunch and have a healthy snack when I get home. Exactly. Yeah. You learn from that setback. Mm -hmm. Here are my vulnerabilities. If I don't eat enough at lunch, I eat more at dinner. Or um, maybe you need to eat some veg. You know that this place, the bar you go to, has all these fried and starchy foods. Maybe mm. you need to have something healthy beforehand so you're less vulnerable. So, you, Or maybe you need to see if they have some vegetables that they can put out. But in other words, you anticipate what's going to happen, mm. what your vulnerabilities are, and you plan for them or maybe you will say Friday night I'm going to eat a little too much but other days I'm not yeah great and so by doing that you're removing that fixed mindset and that emotional kind of pain that comes with the fixed mindset yes yeah and and the the cycle of vulnerability where you have transgressed and now you're a bad person. Now you're going to eat more. And yeah, yeah. It keeps you down that bad path, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. That cycle of shame. Yeah, great way of putting it. Has to be curtailed.
Do you know, it's funny, I, I'm, very, I'm very lucky, it just my mindset has been growth for a long time and, and also I seem to have a very optimistic kind of outlook on the life and, and I often think, you know, so people who live in that fixed mindset and they emotionally beat themselves up all the time, it just must be a really hard life. Yes, yes. Um, it's a life that has a lot of shame in it because mm-hmm. when failure says you're a bad person, then you get into this place of shame. Mm. And that place of shame does not promote repair. Mm. It promotes more bad habits or sinking into these bad habits. Carol, mm. mm. Carol, can I ask, because, you know, obviously you've had a pretty big impact on, on your own kind of world and, and the world that you don't even see. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about You've seen the transformation of people who have shifted from um, the fixed to the growth and and maybe share some experiences of how that liberates people and what then the next path for them forward is. Yes. Um, I do get letters from people who have um, embraced a growth mindset and have... um, tried for things in their lives that they've never tried for before. Mm -hmm. Like they were always afraid to try to be a writer because what if they failed, their dream would be shattered, and now they go for it. Mm -hmm. I got a letter recently from a 13-year-old boy who said, I read your book, um, and I'm very glad it was based on science. That's why I decided to try to put it into practice. He said... (laughs) He put into practice in his relationship with his parents, in his relationship with his peers in school and his schoolwork, and he saw improvement in all three areas, and he said, I realize now I've wasted a lot of my life. (laughs) Really? Yeah, he's a (laughs) (laughs) 13-year-old. You've got plenty of time, mate. You'll be fine. (laughs) Um, A lot of coaches have put growth mindset into practice with their teams and are finding a lot of success. Um, But most of all, people say that it empowers them, well, not just to try new things, but not to go to that place of shame Mm. when they've had setbacks, but rather to say, okay, what can I learn from this and what can I do differently going forward? It's interesting, isn't it? You know, like if you think of the two mindsets, you know, we think about um, the fix. It's very much a limiting mindset, isn't it? Whereas when you go to the growth, it's it's very much an opportunistic kind of mindset, isn't it? You you suddenly start to see the world as this big sponge of opportunities to develop yourself, don't you? Yes, mm. yes. Um, so many things open up. Um, you because you're always asking. How can I do this? Yeah. Rather than can I, can't I, will I look foolish? Will I confirm the lack of ability? Will people, will I expose myself as an imposter? Should I not even try um, because I might feel like a failure? Instead, you're saying, what do I value? Mm, yeah. What's the kind of person I want to be for myself and for people around me? And what are the steps, even baby steps I can take to start moving toward that person I want to be? 
Yeah, and I think that's a really important message here because it's interesting. I, I always think I would get frustrated with the message of, you know, if you believe in yourself, you can achieve anything. And I think that's a very limited kind of message because belief really comes from experience of growth, doesn't it? You know, like it's, it, belief is when I've experienced some growth and I go, wow, I've, I've got this far, maybe I can go a little bit further. And, um, and you know, when you have a fixed mindset, you you know, you're in this place where you never actually experience growth. So why would you believe in yourself? Whereas yeah. if you start to move towards, you know, the growth mindset and you, you know, you take the right steps and, you know, and you do achievable goals or achievable steps forward, then you actually, the belief is real because you've had experience of yes. growth. Yes. It's a different belief in self. In a fixed mindset, that belief in self is a seesaw. Mm. that, you know, you say, one day you say, I'm strong, I'm capable, then you have a setback, and you're weak and incapable. So it's not that you never believe in yourself. While you're being successful, you'll, you'll think, yeah, it's fixed, but I have it. Yeah. I'm a good person, I'm a strong person. But as soon as you hit failure, crash, you're not that person anymore. Mm. In a growth mindset, you believe that you're a person who can improve and learn. You don't have to believe you're already this fabulous, brilliant, disciplined person. <laughs> you only have to believe that you can improve. Yeah, yeah. And you just have to have the patience to improve, maybe slowly over time, but you'll get there. So, so, okay, so two questions, Carol. First of all, for the person who's listened to this who's really self-identifying with the fact that they are fixed mindset, what would be a good plan forward for them? Obviously, getting your book, I think, is one of the best things you could probably do. Yes, read, read, excellent plan. Read the book. And you've also got uh, the program I looked at um, for education as well. So what, what's the story of that? That's um, an online interactive program for adolescents. It teaches them a growth mindset about their intelligence. Yep. The idea that the brain grows stronger and stronger connections when you do things and stick to them and learn. Um, so it it is it's a it's a it's a, a fun, interactive, colorful, humorous program uh, that. Um, if parents or teachers are interested in looking at it for their uh, kids, they can go to Brainology, www.brainology.us. Okay, I'll put that on our website, on my website as well, if you guys want to go there, brainology.us. And, it, and, it's, and it's, I looked at it, it's kind of like a program, it's, it's, about, it's really kind of teaching kids how to, yes. uh, to get the growth mindset really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, so fixed mindset people obviously getting your book's going to be a good part. And then, and then about is it about consciously creating a plan to shift towards the growth? Yes, it is about consciously creating a plan. And research has shown that a growth mindset really has tangible benefits. For example, when uh, students learn a growth mindset about their intelligence, their grades go up, their motivation can be transformed, their grades and achievement go up. Really? Um, research has shown that when people have more of a growth mindset about weight and weight control, they're not as thrown off by setbacks. Really? Wow. They're, so they'll stick to their 
uh, weight loss regime better. Um, in, in almost all areas of life, a growth mindset has benefits. But you have to consciously pursue it, especially if um, you're prone to falling into a fixed mindset. Now, in my book, I'm very clear that I had a fixed mindset. Oh, so you are the person who's come from one world to the next. I am a person who has come from one world to the next. And um, very consciously because of my work. And still... You know, sometimes if I have a real setback, I still feel that fixed mindset feeling in the pit of my stomach. Mm. Ooh. I don't say, <laughs> wow, I love a failure. I love yeah. a setback. <laughs> um, but I consciously am committed to a growth mindset. And I do learn from those experiences. And guess what? You look back. And you see things that at the time you thought were failures or misfortunes, and often they were the most valuable things that ever happened to you because you learned a tremendous amount mm. from them. So, yeah, and so what you're saying is that being someone who's come from the fixed mindset to growth, is that it's, it's not that it ever totally disappears, it's just that you're conscious that you need to work on it when those moments come up, and then you find exactly. those to be really rewarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose then the next question is, um, for the people who are in the growth mindset, how do we enhance it? Or is it just once you kind of get there, you kind of know it? Or is it, is it just about being responsible to staying in there? Or are there challenges to go further with it? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think you will recognize when you start operating from a growth mindset. For example, I heard my thinking changing. Oh, really? I heard myself saying, this is hard. This is fun. Oh, really? Who said that? Because in a fixed mindset, hard things are a little bit threatening. Yeah. Can, can um, I, oh, there you go. And, Sorry. And then, yes, you have to consciously cultivate that thinking, but it becomes more and more natural over time. Can I ask, how, what were the effects on your esteem, you know, as you shifted, you know, you know, because as you say, you, this came from research and you obviously figured out, cheapest I'm this person, I need to move, and then you've worked on it and, you know, you've obviously figured it out. What happened to the, the sense of self and yourself as you kind of went through that oh, journey? Oh, that's fascinating. And we've also done research on that. In a fixed mindset, you're focused on your self-esteem all the time oh, and really? you're arranging the world and arranging your head so that your self-esteem always feels high and good. So, um, you know, you use all these defensive strategies. You'll do easy things over and over to feel good. Or you'll look at someone who's worse off than you, maybe less fit or um, less... More overweight or something um, like that. Or, or someone more overweight than you. You're always massaging the data to really? make you feel good about yourself. Wow. But in a growth mindset, um, yeah, it's not that your self-esteem doesn't take a hit when something goes badly wrong, but you repair that self-esteem by taking action mm -hmm. to learn from your setback, 
and taking action to do something differently in the future. So that whole self-esteem maintenance process digs you deeper into the hole in a fixed mindset, mm-hmm. but is a cue in a growth mindset to do something constructive. Yeah, it's a great way of putting it, isn't it? It's, 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 it's a cue, isn't it? Then, mm-hmm. then my actions from this moment forward can determine how I get the most out of this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Carol, um, just, just so your website is your website is mindset. Mindsetonline.com. Mindset online. So one, guys, mindset online. One word. Dot com. Okay, and again, I'll put that on the show notes for this today's show. Um, I suppose just anything before we wrap up, just anything else you'd like to add that maybe the listener out there would it be valuable to them? Yes, I would say believe in yourself, but believe in yourself in the way that says one step at a time. I can grow one step at a time. I can become better and better at what I do. And when there's a setback, think about the next steps that you're going to take. Yeah, definitely. Carol, can I also ask just how rewarding is it for you to, you know, like obviously in, you know, the, the academic world is a bit of a funny world in some ways, isn't it? You know, like mm-hmm. the kind of the, 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 the system in itself can be a little bit funny. But, you know, when you have this, this impact, because I'm sure you recognize the impact you've had um, in, in, you know, the consciousness of this area, you know, why how's that rewarding for you personally? It's incredibly rewarding to feel that I have done research and I've had these findings and I've written about them and that people have benefited. Yeah. Many people say it has helped them lead the lives that they want to lead. Uh, it's it's really hard to express how gratifying that is. Yeah. Um, you know, like I know in your book you were talking about how, um, you know, that you come from academia and academia there's this very much, there's a, a very narrow way of communicating and, and to be accepted you have to stick to very strict rules and that, you know, you found writing your book was very challenging because it was very much for a general audience and trying to get your message across in a broader way, I suppose. And, um, you know, it sounded like you were very challenged by that. Yes, yes, but I was determined. So, yes, there's a formal scientific writing style, and mm-hmm. I had to junk that completely and learn how to write in the way that I speak yeah. and tell stories in the way that I tell stories to my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very, very challenging, but I knew that I wanted to communicate to the world. Yeah. And so uh, I did I did it. Well, you did a great job. Guys, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Carol. It's um it's a real pleasure and, and and I really, you know, I can't kind of give you enough praise on your work because it's definitely, you know, you've you've really created a clear way. The great thing about what you do is that, you know, in your book you do a great job of it is that you um you make it understandable to the everyday person. You know, you, you the way you put these concepts forward really make it, you know, I'm sure people listening to this right now go, oh, I can see that I am this type of person and, and where I need to go in this direction. And um, that's actually a pretty special talent, especially from someone from academia who does kind of get trained to do a certain way. So um, I think you've done some really great work and I'm sure you're doing more great work. And, and I think the most important thing as a, your 13-year-old writer said is that it's not just some person who's gone, oh, I've had this experience and here's how I think the world should work, is that you've backed it up 
with you know a lifetime of amazing research so thank you so much for coming on the show today and um, again guys if you want to check out her website and get her book which I highly recommend I'll have a link to it in my show notes um, but thank you so much and uh, keep up the great work thank you it's been a pleasure awesome great Radio team, there's my uh, interview with Carol Dweck, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, hopefully you got something from that. Like I, I definitely feel she's done some pretty important work in this area, and it's definitely a big thing that we really need to consider. And I think there's probably a few take-home points from the interview we really probably want to recap on. First is that you know if you feel you are a fixed mindset person, you know this is an area that's it's worth putting time into to develop within yourself. That you know that she talked about the shame, and she talked about um, you know the the emotional hardship you go through if you feel morally that you are just a bad person because you're unsuccessful at dealing with certain situations, and how actually that holds you back in life. And it was really interesting. She was talking about how you'll compare yourself to people who are worse off than you just to make yourself feel better, or you'll you'll make things seem easier, and just because it makes you feel more successful. And ideally that kind of keeps you in a place where, you know, you're going to be living that emotional shame for a longer period of time. And if you're someone who's listening to this right now and you are aware that you're in this place, I imagine now, now it's really hard for me to talk to this because I'm not that person. Fortunately, I'm growth mindset generally and um, and I'm very optimistic. So I'm kind of, I'm very fortunate in that way, but, <clears throat> excuse me. But at the same time, if you're someone who's living in that place, I can only imagine it's a really hard place to live your life. If you live your life in a sense of shame of who you are all the time, then it's worth putting the time into moving forward from that place. And I'm not sure of the time frames. As Carol was saying, some people will just nail it straight away and some people take a lot longer to kind of shift their thinking from a thought pattern that they've had for a long period of time. But if you're sitting there right now and you know you feel shame around... I don't know, your body image or your exercise or, or any other area of your life and you feel that fundamentally you're a bad person because you can't overcome these areas, then it's definitely worth committing the time to developing yourself towards a growth mindset in those areas. And, you know, some of the stuff recaps on some, some of the stuff we've talked about in the past, but I think, you know, as we we're saying in the interview, is to really start to learn those moments really start to figure out those cues that Carol talked about or, or the triggers that are taking you down that path. And um, once you've started to figure out when they come, maybe you have a pre-plan of, of action that you'll put in that time around in different situations. Now, it's not necessarily going to be easy, but if you can get to that moment, let's go back to that Friday night chocolate situation. You've eaten too much chocolate cake, you come home, suddenly you think, oh, I'm going to have KFC. Now, if you know that situation is a vulnerable moment and you know that in the past you've gone to this fixed mindset that's really quite makes you feel a sense of shame well then you can start to put in place well then how can I learn and grow from this experience and if you put that growth mindset into that place then you're actually dealing with the problem that's that's in front of you not a personality weakness and it's such an important thing I believe because if you, if you feel shame and you lose that battle, you just stay on that shame path. And if anything, that path gets enhanced so much more. And it's just so harmful for you as a person. Whereas if you are able to deal with it in a growth mindset, in the mindset of, well, how do I deal with this situation to be successful? 
then you may not get it perfect the first time, but over time you're realizing how to deal with these situations more and more, and you're able to deal with them in a great way. So to see my daughter, my, my lovely daughter Tyler, she's, she's got a bit of a fixed mindset, and it's something we've been working on a little bit recently, and 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 and, and it's interesting with my daughter to watch her because one thing that she's really, because she's been fixed to this moment in her life, is that she's not willing to try because she's afraid of failure. And one thing we've worked on this year, just in our kind of conversations with each other, is to, to for her to understand that if she works at something, she can get better. And it's it's kind of, I suppose, if we think about the conversation we've just had, it's around the idea of to understand that I can grow from any situation. And we, there's this metaphor that her and I are using a little bit right now, and it's we, we play cards occasionally. And we went up to Auckland to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers early this year, and you know she loves the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and it was a bit of a nice dad-daughter experience. And uh, we were there for about four or five days, and so we did some shopping and saw some sites and some art and went to the concert. And at night time, we played a lot of cards, and my daughter just didn't think she could shuffle cards. And because she had this fixed mindset around shuffling cards, she wasn't even willing to try to shuffle them. And I, and I, and I kind of explained to her, well, let's look at this more as a growth mindset and to look at this more as the skill you have around shuffling cards. So right now your skill is not that good. But let's break this down and try to work on the skill of shuffling cards. Because I imagine what was happening for her right to this point was she should try, she'd fail straight away, and it just reinforced that shame that she was probably experiencing. Whereas what we did is we broke down, okay, well, let's look at how we can go through this. Okay, well, how are you holding the cards? Why do the cards slip out of your hands when you're shuffling them? Okay, how do you put the cards on top of each other? Now, I know this seems, for those who can shuffle cards, really basic, but if you can't shuffle cards and there's a sense of shame that you can't do it, that's something that you can't, you know, that you're not going to try. And I've been quite proud of my daughter because she's kind of, you know, again, we don't play cards a huge amount, but when we do, she's opened up to trying to get better. And she's and it's interesting watching my daughter this year in particular is that she's shifting more towards a growth mindset. And it's something that we're nurturing within her. It's something that's going to take time because she's got this kind of fixed mindset installed in her for a long time. But as we kind of, develop these growth pathways she's starting to understand that it's actually not about her lack of self it's about her looking at the world to see that there's opportunity for growth and as a father I, I really really trying to encourage her to move towards that path because I you know you see the value of it and if you're somebody out here who's listening to this right now and you know that you are in this fixed mindset you know maybe you could use my pack of cards metaphor that I have with my daughter that when I feel the shame, where's the pack of cards within this? Where's that growth mindset opportunity for me to develop myself and grow? And I don't think it necessarily will be something that will shift overnight. Like for some people, it may be, you know, like um, it, it might be that you just kind of, it just clicks and you get it and it's going to shift. But for other people, it may, it may be that thing that takes a bit of time. And as Carol says, it, you might always have that those tough moments will pop up and you know that within yourself you'll go to that fix, but then you know the strategy to put you towards the the growth mindset. And uh, life changes, the, your outlook on life changes when you hit that situation because suddenly you now have an opportunity. You see, you, as we were talking about in the interview, you see all these different opportunities as chances to grow and instead of being away from wanting to move away from them and to suppress yourself and 
you know, to, to look for the easy option, you actually learn that the reward from life comes from moving towards them. And I can only imagine the shift in your life experience that will go from, you know, the shame of the fixed mindset to the liberation of the growth mindset would be pretty massive. So I suppose, you know, one key point to really think about is, you know, are you putting the time aside for doing this? And maybe if, if you know that as you listen to this interview, you're a fixed mindset person, um, are you willing to do the work that needs to be done to shift towards more of a growth mindset? I think one other thing to really think about just with her interview, what I loved is maybe you need to do, if you are that person who looks at the superstar in, 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 I don't know, your field or in a sport or in music or anything, and think about, um, you know, maybe it is worth doing that project. Do some research on that person who you think is a real star who's just naturally talented. I think there's real value in that to actually realise that people who you look at as just gifted have done hard work to get there and it, and it teaches you it just reminds you of that lesson of actually moving towards growth is a really valuable thing anyway um, if you do want to check out Carol's books I'll put all the links to um, it on my website and I'll even have a link to the Amazon link so if you want to buy the book you can go and get it from there I'm going to pull up some questions that I've had over the last couple of weeks and um, I was going to pull them up right now so I'm going to pause and be back in one second I've got three questions I'm going to cover today. The first one's from, uh, well, it's not really a question, it's more of a comment. I wrote a piece, um, I'm not sure if you guys read it, if you haven't read it, you can go to my website, um, bevanjamesisles.com. I wrote a piece around Madonna uh, recently, and uh, it was one of those pieces that kind of, yeah, maybe divided some people. And the, the whole concept of the piece was, I find it really interesting that as Madonna's aged, um, her marketing strategy is to still to sell young sex, really. And, um, and, and, not that, the thing is, I don't know if Madonna can pull that off anymore. And it's not because she doesn't look great, because let's be honest, Madonna looks fantastic. Um, it's just that I'm just not sure. Like, as a guy who's in his mid-30s now, when you see Madonna, who you know is 55, kind of scrolling around with young 20 guys trying to be sexy, I'm, and again, I, I, I have no worries about women's sexual liberation and all the rest of it. I'm just not sure if the message sells anymore. And, and I kind of wonder that as we age... Um, isn't the thing that we should share with the youth or, or the, our next generation is wisdom? And it seems to be, and I use Madonna, so I wasn't, you know, I kind of picked on Madonna a little bit in this piece, but, you know, it seems to be that, the, the, I suppose the key message to the, the article was that as we age, sure, we want to look after ourselves and, and protect our image as best as possible. But at the same time, we want to be putting as much emphasis, if not more, on how to create wisdom within self and sharing the wisdom with the world. And, um, and, you know, and I got some mixed reviews on this. Some people really liked it. But I got an email from a Robin, uh, Robin, and she said, um, and, she, and I'm going to read it to you. She said, enjoyed your piece, including the Johnny Cash clip. Now, what I did is um, at the end of it, I shared this clip of Johnny Cash. And Johnny Cash, before he died, he had this video called Hurt. And uh, I highly recommend if you haven't seen it. It's a music video. And to me, it's one of the most powerful music videos of all time. And it's this old man. Like, seriously, he filmed it months before he died. And the words of the song are powerful, and it, and it makes you, it makes you reflect. It makes you, um, you know, think about yourself and your own your own life. And, and it, if anything, there's a there's a wisdom that comes with this video that's really powerful. And I suppose as I looked at the videos, I looked at Madonna's video, seeing a middle aged woman trying to sell sex, and I felt, you know, I'm sure she has more to offer than the message she's had for 25 years. And then I saw Johnny Cash's video. And I think, well, this guy is offering some wisdom in the last part of his career that makes me reflect as a person. And so it was about my connection with the different messages. 
And uh, Robin goes on to say, but I can't help but feeling that you guys have a much easier time as you age. I'm willing to bet that for most people, when they think of age and wisdom, they're thinking of a bloke. I can't imagine a woman carrying off the Johnny Cash number, for example. As a 52-year-old woman, one of the hardest things about aging is that you become invisible. It doesn't matter how much effort you put into keeping physically toned and well-groomed or how witty your conversation, unless it's to please yourself, it will be for naught. And if you try to become visible, like Madonna, you become across as brash, pushy, needy or just pathetic. Even if you've got a great body, you're not allowed to wear short shorts anymore or midriff top if you've got a wrinkly face, right? Plus, try to get served at a busy shopping counter. You are invisible to both male and female sales assistants. Different with friends, of course, but you don't get that benefit of the doubt and 15 minutes free attention that you used to get when you were 20 or 30-something, so it's much harder to meet new people and make that lasting first impression. She goes on to say that, you know, I'm um, sorry if she's been a grumpy old woman today. Best, I better get to the gym, <laughs> gym and, you know, get her yoga pants on and a discreet t-shirt. And, 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 uh, this is a really interesting discussion because it is harder on females when we think about image. You know, men don't seem to have so much pressure on themselves around the image. Wow, it's a hard, this is such a, I'm opening a can of worms here that's really interesting. And I, and I do think that Carol has a really important point here is that it does seem to be harder for females as they age and um, there is this emphasis in society that females should be staying youthful. And I suppose that's the thing that I would, I would like to see shift in society and I don't know if me talking about this on a podcast is ever going to have a big influence. But the greater message really is, 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 is how do us older people, and I'm not old, I'm kind of mid-range, I'm 36 right now, but, you know, I'm, I'm shifting towards that age where, you know, my image starts to shift and, you know, and all those things um, starts to change. And, and, but as a society, how do we not allow this to happen where someone like Robin feels that, you know, as she's aged and, you know, she doesn't have her youthful looks where she got lots of attention, maybe got lots of attention when she was younger, that, um, that she feels that she's not valued by people, and um, and I, and I think there's probably some truth to her points where, you know, she's noticed that she doesn't get the attention she got in the past, and then there's probably a little bit of programming within yourself, Robin, where you know these messages we get sent to ourselves tell us that we're not good enough. So then, when we don't get attention, that that's we think that it's because of an image thing. Whereas sometimes maybe it's just that people are busy, but sometimes it will be because you know, there's a more attractive person. It's a hard one. And, and to be honest, I don't know if I have the answer, but I, I really think that it's a little bit about us being leaders in this area that as we shift, as we age, for us to embrace the wisdom and for us to to, to show, you know, to make that the thing that we want to prioritize and what we see in others. And I think that when, when we start to do that, maybe that's where our shift in our own energy or, or we start to influence others towards it. Now, I don't know, This I'm kind of rambling here, but like I know, okay, so, so with myself, I know that I will struggle with the loss of image as I age. I've, image is something that's been important to me in my life and it's I've talked about this before on a show about, you know, the idea of losing my hair is something that's, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things that I battle with most within myself. 
But my strategy to over worrying about this image stuff, and it's actually interesting because I don't seem to worry about it, I worry about it less and less now as I put more time into this, is how do I develop a great mind? And how do I add value to people's lives in ways that makes them realize their own potential? And um, it's interesting that as I age and these things, the image is getting lost, an image that maybe I was more satisfied with when I was younger, it's interesting that when I feel like I'm adding value to other people's lives, and I'm very fortunate because I get to do a lot of this, is you realize that they're never actually looking at you thinking you're looking older because you're actually helping them develop themselves and you're sharing the wisdom you've gained from your life on them. And so then if you do get that person who would just look at you and go, well, I don't look good, or if you're not getting attention because someone's focused on an image, it's almost like you can look upon them with caring eyes and think about, you know, the, the lessons they haven't learnt yet in life. And, if, you know, like the person who's just focused on image, to me, that's a really dangerous path to go down because you can't win that battle. You can't stay youthful forever. And and we see the person, there was a lady I saw, I went out to town a while ago, and there was a lady who had so much face cosmetic surgery done, her face didn't move at all. And she'd obviously kept some youthfulness, but she just looked stupid. She looked, she seriously looked stupid and she didn't move at all and there was no expression in her face and I just remember looking at her going, wow, you look weird. And she looked young, but I just was, I was mind blown. You know, to her it seemed that she had more emphasis on trying to stay youthful, whereas I'm sure she had lots to share as a person in her life experiences and in her her sense of um, things she could share with the world. But when we live in a world where your image is your only thing, then it's almost like you're going to suppress that or you're going to be doing everything to hold on to that and not develop the wisdom. And and I think, you know, the great thing about wisdom is that truly great people as they age, they share their wisdom with their world around them. And you think about the people in your life who have had the biggest influence on you by sharing their wisdom. Think about those people right now. You know, like I think about, there's, you know, four or five people in my life who have had this massive influence on my life because they shared wisdom that made me a better person. I never judged your image. Like once, I never looked at them and go, oh my God, you know, this guy's a little bit overweight or this person, you know, has wrinkles or this person has, it, it, it just didn't even bother me because they would, and if anything, I was so attracted to those people because they unleashed my own potential. And I suppose that's what, I wanted to get across in this message is that, you know, our society is saying that we've got to stay youthful through marketing, basically. Our society is saying that we've got to stay youthful and we've got to stay beautiful and, and if not, we're losing ourselves and we're not going to get attention. And, and Robin's bringing up point, maybe as she is aging, she is getting this attention because she is aging. But I don't know if trying to hold on to the youth is the thing that's going to make you feel great in the long term as you age. I feel you sharing the wisdom you have with the world and being that person who helps others become great actually will be much more rewarding for you yourself and rewarding for the world. So that when you don't get the attention from that 20 or 30 something, you can kind of just look at them in that kind of loving way where it just says, you know, you need to figure some things out. And maybe you can be that person for that person to help them discover self in ways that's actually more powering that helps them move towards wisdom. And I think that as we age, that's the thing that we need to think about. That's the thing that 
we need to move towards. And I know that's where I'm putting my attention. As I got to my late 20s, early 30s, I really thought, you know, I work in an image industry, um, you know, I, I fit the mold of that industry, but I really thought I want to make my life more about thought and helping others develop themselves. Now, I'm sure the people who I'm impacting, as I lose my hair, if I keep impacting them in a way that makes them feel great about themselves, I might struggle a little bit for losing my hair, but they're not going to look at me and think, oh, he's not a good person because he hasn't got hair. They're going to think, well, this person's helping me grow as a person. So, I don't know if I really helped clarify anything there, but I think Robin and, and for those who maybe struggle with that stuff, you know, and it's, again, it's not that I don't think you want to look after yourself. I just think a lot of energy needs to go into creating that wisdom and sharing that wisdom with the world because actually that's where you have the biggest impact. It's that whole thing of how many lives do you touch? You know, that in your lifetime you have an, an opportunity to influence people. You have an opportunity to, to have make your mark on the world in a way that's important to you. And do you make a mark on the world when you look great? Like, do you think when you, you make a mark on the world when you look great, or do you make a mark on the world when you help people grow and develop and create wisdom for within themselves? And, uh, you know, I don't know if uh, I know which path I'm going down, and I don't know which path other people go down, but it'll be interesting to see as, as we progress forward in time what will happen in that way. Hopefully it kind of gave you some insight there. I'm not really sure. Just <laughs> just going to chuck that out there. Uh, another question I got. Wait a second. I've got to pull up some of my emails here. Um, I'll probably just do one more. I know I told a few people I would do um, answer some questions now, but I've got quite a few emails. And so I'll probably just do one more email. And I'm going to pull that up right now. Let me have a look here. Um, and for those who I don't answer this month, I'll try to get on to you guys next month. So the next one I have here is from a guy called Ryan. He's got, I've got a question for you. It may be a bit long, so bear out with the background information. He's been basically competing as an athlete for a few years. In May, he was struck by a vehicle while cycling and ended up breaking his back. Wow, that's that's pretty massive. That's like life-changing, that is. <clears throat> I recently had surgery, and I am finally able to get back into some physical activity. Throughout the summer, I struggled a lot with my physical pain and also a bit of depression. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's, that's horrible. Since getting out of the house and being able to do some activity again, the depression has alleviated, and most of the pain has as well. My concern is this. I want to continue to race. I will never train on the road again since this was my second time I was hit. Oh, you poor thing. Um, But races obviously require some road time. My wife is okay with me being out there, and I think I'll get over it too. But we were wondering if you knew of any options to make my ride during the race safer obviously wearing reflective gear and lights help although I was doing that at the time of both crashes I've also asked race directors about having a personal vehicle tail me but clearly this is not allowed worth a shot any suggestions it's a bit more of a get over it and choose another sport kind of situation I don't know I want to put my life back in line for the sport but I'm not ready to let two insert explosive (laughs) here ruin uh, the love of my life for the rest of my life yeah, really interesting, really interesting situation, you know, like it's interesting when we have a lot of confidence based on a real life experience, that is, is is really real, and then to go back out, like, you know, I imagine after that first crash, there was a loss of confidence and it took a lot of courage to get out and get on your bike again, and then to be knocked down again in a way that was very severe, you know, to break your back, you that's pretty horrible, and then for you to then, you know, get housebound and, and to experience depression, you know, 
partly because you can't do the thing that's healthy for you is you know it's, it's it's a pretty tough situation that I wouldn't really wish upon anyone and so your question really is I know that racing is good for me and I want to have it in my life um, and I've got this criteria around how I want to race and I'm finding it hard to get that criteria in and I suppose that's that's the question you need to explore um, the first, you know, the, the options are, you know, do I go down a different path with a different sport? And, you know, you might kind of narrow that. You might say, okay, well, to this point, I don't know what kind of riding you've done. You obviously rode on the road. Um, I don't want to ride on the road. So could I look at doing mountain bike racing? And you could say, well, I'm not much of a downhill mountain bike racer, but there are those long, kind of not too technical mountain bike races. And I could train off-road on those races where I know I'm going to be feeling a lot safer. Now, obviously, with your back injury, you're doing the extreme stuff may not be, you know, and your skill set around mountain biking would be different. So you'd need to develop your, your skill set from that beginner level. That's one thing. When it comes to actually getting out on the road, look, obviously you can use a wind trainer at home, but it's not the same as biking outside. And so when it comes to races, you could maybe do different types of racing. So you could look at becoming a time trial specialist. So time trials is where you don't really ride around other cyclists and it tend to be a bit more of a controlled environment. So that's another option as well. I think that the thing to, to also ultimately think about is, you know, what, what is your start point in confidence right now? You know, you, obviously your confidence has taken a huge hit based on real life experiences and um, what is the, the next level, what, what's going to start to build your confidence for this point forward and I think that's a to measure where is my confidence right now and what gives me the lack of confidence and then what are those growth steps for me forward from this moment forward and how can I um, start to develop those now as you say you you feel you never want to ride on the road again and, and after having two crashes I can totally understand why you would feel that way and you know you, it may be something that as your confidence grows you would be willing to explore again or it may be something you never do but I do think you've got to figure out how do I gain that love of sport again and I think maybe that's the question you need to explore is how do I gain that love of sport again so that I can get to that place within myself I know is good for me. And if it is about finding another sport, what was it about cycling that you loved? Was it that you had a great group of friends that you cycled with? Was it that you loved being outside? Was it that um, you loved to geek out on the numbers? Was it that, um, you know, it fit, it fit your work timetable? If you can start to figure out what those things were, if you, if you do determine that cycling on the road isn't the options and you can't find racing, you know, as an option, you can start to actually find the formula that works as you look for other sports. Now, you know, you can find other sports that will work for you and I do think that is an option that's worth considering but as you look to those, because if you don't find them, then you'll look back to the cycling of all the things you've lost whereas if you can think about, well, what did I gain from cycling and how can I keep gaining that in other areas – then that transition away from cycling won't be so hard. Whereas if you just go to, oh, I need to try, you know, I don't know, I need to try playing volleyball, but volleyball just hits none of those markers for you, then you'll always look back to cycling with a sense of, oh, my best version of myself was back there. So I'm not sure if that really helps or not. It's definitely a very hard situation, Ryan, and I, um, and I hope um, you can kind of get something from that. But it's definitely an area that to put some energy into, and I do think you'll be able to get through it. So... I um, hope that helps.
Anyway, that's uh, that's that's pretty much this much. So if you do have any email questions, you can send it through to bevanjames at gmail.com. If you want to go to my website, go to bevanjamesiowas.com. And once again, I've got um, all the links to Carol's books on my website's show notes for this month's show. So if you want to check that out, go there. And um, I'll be back next month. It's a normal show next month where I kind of just come off a topic and uh, try to talk around that. And uh, yeah, you guys have a great month and appreciate your time. And yeah, I'll see you next month. Have a great time.